1: find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and member fdse hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of dear multi-hyphenate I am your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so glad that you're joining me for this episode. Thanks as always to the Broadway Podcast Network and thank you for listening. Please rate, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Tell your friends, your family, post on social media if you love this episode. But what's extra special about this episode is that we're doing a ticket giveaway. Yes, a ticket giveaway to a Broadway show. I'll get to that in a second. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, the world is hard right now. Um, I feel like there is, you know, so much to fix and help. And, uh, you know, throughout the 66, 67 episodes of Dear multi it, I've shared my opinions on how art can help and how... Multi-hyphenate artistry is about understanding who we are and what we're fighting for. That when we take up this space, it's about fighting for something. And I feel like more than ever, it's so important. With the rise of school shootings and um, and uh, assault rifle usage and... Uh, our rights being threatened and take being taken away and um control over people with uteruses bodies like it's just um it's a lot to handle but if you have if you have an opinion and you have a point of view and you are charged to make art do it and i hope you are able to take the lessons that you're learning from this podcast and are able to create something. That's my only wish with this podcast is that you can hear a perspective from other people in the industry and are able to take something uh, and, and run with it. And that's something that I'm very excited about with this episode because uh, Moises Kaufman really kind of takes us from the ground up in regards to like creating a new theater company or a new show. And, um, raising funds and things like that. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. All right, ticket giveaway. Paradise Square is on Broadway at the Barrymore Theater and it is incredible. I loved it so much. I got to see a rehearsal of it and then I saw it once it opened and I loved it so much. And I want you to see it. And Moises Kaufman, who is today's guest, is the director of Paradise Square on Broadway. So we're gonna do a ticket giveaway. The rules are very simple. All you have to do is follow at multihyphenet on Instagram and go on Apple Podcasts and you're going to write a review. As long as you write a review from June 1st to June 13th and you mention how much you loved Moises Kaufman's episode and you loved multihyphenet, I'll put you in a little drawing and you're going to get tickets. And it's going to be so exciting because you're going to see the show. And it's so wonderful. Okay, moving on to the episode. Moises Kaufman is the founder and artistic director of Tectonic Theatre Project, a Tony and Emmy-nominated director and playwright, and a 2015 recipient of the National Medal of Arts. Mr. Kaufman's Broadway directing credits include the revival of Harvey Fierstein's Torch Song, the revival of The Heiress with Jessica Chastain, 33 Variations, which he also wrote, starring Jane Fonda, five Tony nominations, Raheem Joseph's Pulitzer Prize finalist, Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo with Robin Williams, and Doug Wright's Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning play I Am My Own Wife with Jefferson Mays. His play, The Laramie Project, which he wrote with the Tectonic Theater Project Company, is among the most performed plays in America. Kaufman also co-wrote and directed the HBO film adaptation of The Laramie Project, which received two Emmy Award nominations for Best Director and Best Writer. He is an Obie Award winner and a Guggenheim Fellow in playwriting. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode and Please write a review. You might get to see Paradise Square on Broadway. Moises Kaufman, how are you? Hi, Michael. I'm well. How are you? So you're Venezuelan, you're Jewish, and you're gay. That is two two of the three things I can relate to. (laughs) I'll let you guess which ones. Um, But also you're a New Yorker, uh, uh, which is, I think I can also... um, uh, relate to you. With, but you are also, you have done work in Miami. Did you live in Miami for a, a bit? Oh, I never lived in Miami.
0: I uh, I, lived, I live in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I often say that this is the one place where my three identities blend in perfectly, right? Because there's a, a, a strong Hispanic community. There's a strong Jewish community. There's a strong gay community. So it's the only place in the world where I feel like I'm at home. That's amazing. Um, the Miami connection is uh, my friend, Michelle Hausman, uh, who's a brilliant director. He decided to start a, a theater company down there called Miami New Drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked with him on it and we co-founded it together. And now the company's up and running and doing really, really well. And I um, so periodically I, I workshop some of my work down there. I do some performances there. So the, the city of Miami gave us this beautiful, beautiful theater. Um, this art deco theater in the middle of
1: uh, South beach. And it's just really, really exciting. I'm from Port Lauderdale. So I've spent my, oh. I spent a lot of time in the art deco uh, facades and, and decor of, you know, Lincoln road and, and things like that. It's, it really is such a beautiful space. And, you know, I love to talk about um theater that isn't just happening in Florida, I mean, in New York or Los Angeles or even D.C., um, but South Florida has such a rich uh, theater scene of a mixture of equity and non-equity houses that recent college grads can easily build a resume by going to a city like that before moving to a city like New York or LA. I don't know if you agree with that. I agree, but-
0: I agree completely. There's really, really interesting happening, things happening down there. And um, yeah, the, the caliber of the work that I've seen in, in, in Miami New Drama has been really amazing. And they have the Arts Center, which also is really
1: good. Um, you know, there's a lot of venues and a lot of really interesting work happening. So you're on Dear Multi-Hyphenate. And to me, a multi-hyphenate is an artist who has multiple proficiencies, which cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. And that is a long way to say, I do a lot of shit. Um, (laughs) So I want to know in your, I I was so excited to have the opportunity to talk to you because you are a multi-hyphenate. You are a cultivator, you're a director. So there, there are. How would you identify as a multi-hyphenate? What are your proficiencies? What are your hyphens?
0: Well, I usually describe myself as a playwright director. Um, you know, we also been, I've also been the artistic director of Tectonic Theater Project for several for since its inception. Um, I don't know. I like to think. I think that there are so many divisions uh, of labor in our field, right? Um, I,
1: I like to think
0: of myself as a theater maker.
1: I love that. And where do you think the disconnect comes? Because I think so many young artists today that come out of programs, they are told they have to be one thing. Where do you think that comes from when there are people like you and Mel Brooks and Issa Rae and Rachel Brosnahan and Lynn manuel Miranda, there are people that build their careers off of doing more than one thing, being those theater makers. Where do you think that fear comes from? I think it has to do
0: with the fact that that we live in a capitalist society and the way capitalism works is that it tries to hire people for the least amount of time possible. So if you have to hire somebody for a very little amount of time, they need to have spent their whole life, be, you know, getting good at that one thing so that you can hire them for a very specific amount of time. And I think that that's, um, you know, that, that I think that's why it is, you know, if you look at the way theater is made in America, right? You have three weeks of rehearsal, which are in the rehearsal room, right? Which is of all the things that happen, the least expensive. Then you have a week of tech in which you bring in the specialists, right? Lighting designers, scenic designers, sound designers, right? And they're in for, for, the, for the least amount of time, right? Uh, and then you perform the play. So I think that, that, that it has something to do with the way in which we make work and in the way, the, the way in which we live. And you know, the cheapest thing in that model is the playwright alone in a room writing a play, right? because that's only one person. That's why I think so much of what's happening in American theater right now has to do with devising, right? because people are really interested in seeing what happens when, uh, when plays can be developed in the
1: rehearsal room, with several artists involved, trying to craft a narrative together. It's so funny that, you know, you say that you're talking about like, you have to be craft. Actually, what's so funny is if we opened ourselves up to multi-hyphenating, I think that is more conservative in terms of money spending because you are hiring uh, a writer producer and sort of I don't want to say killing tubers with one stone but it's it is a little more economic friendly for the producers to sort of um, invest more in multi-hyphenates and allow multi-hyphenates to take the stage for lack of better words um, to take the stage because we are uh, saving a little I think saving resources and time and um, not possibly having things lost in translation, egos, uh, I've, while I do believe that there should be big teams and big collaborative efforts, um, I just think that we should be spending more time investing in the multi-hyphenate because uh, some of the best work has come out of multi-hyphenate efforts like I want to say Laramie Project and Tectonic Theater. So how as a multi-hyphenate like what are there a lot of artists that are um, starting and want to theater creation and want to create their own theater company and start their own stuff. So What would you say to someone, like thinking back in in founding Tectonic Theatre, what would you say to to artists that are interested in that? What are the first steps that you would have to take in order to do something like that?
0: I think the first thing is to find the the other artists with whom you share kinship. I mean, aesthetic kinship, ideological kinship, intellectual kinship, that you're interested in similar ideas in similar discourses. I think that's the very, very first step because then that begins to create the kind of plays that you're gonna want to create, right? Um, So that's the first step. Find people (coughs) whose aesthetic you share and, um, and start dreaming with them, right? There should be people who not only share your aesthetic you know, ideas and curiosities, but also people that you feel like you can work with, right? And then start thinking about what are the projects that you want to make, right? Um, you know, the first place that we did with Tectonic Theater Project were done in, you know, basements or, you know, we would go to a church and we would say, we'll clean the church for a week if you give us some rehearsal space or, you know. Um, so there was all these kind of things that, that you know, Find a space, find find an abandoned storefront and do a play there, right? And at first you gotta invite your friends and your friends' friends. And, uh, you know, when we did, when we created Tectonic, there were many times in the first three to four years of of the company where there were more people on stage than in the seats, you know, in the audience seats. Uh, But I think that that once you, you find that community and once you refine your idea of what you want to see on stage and why what you want to
1: see on stage matters, then the rest kind of begins to fall in place. That's beautiful. Uh, I love, I love, you know, I talk about the why often and I talk about once you know why you're doing something, everything falls into place. What like you, I think in this moment when there's so much, um, uh, there's so much attention being needed to decentered people and communities what I noticed, it's so interesting, and it sticks out like a sore thumb, like on social media, right? Like, during COVID, during like the pandemic, there was, um, people were doing virtual shows, which was awesome and wonderful. But in every day, something was happening, a, a new, you know, a new senseless murder was happened. Um, and something else was happening with COVID or Trump. And then there was on social media, someone in the middle of that being like, come, come buy tickets to my virtual show. <laughs> and I feel while that is well-intentioned, if people sort of pay attention more to their why, it fits better in the... Uh, socially response, the social responsibility of what we're trying to do as artists. And it sort of fits better in, uh, the environment in which we're sort of producing. And I feel like the, why never ends. It starts when you're starting a theater company and it, and it changes throughout. Why are you doing a certain show? Why did you, why, why are you hiring these actors? Why are you working with these people? Um, but I, I think also something that doesn't, that people aren't, they're maybe scared of doing is raising money. So how did, or, or or funding their shows. So how did Tectonic, how did Laramie Project, how did money come into play when there needed to be a raise? Like what were, what were sort of the first things that you guys did?
0: Well, I think that the, the first thing you do is that you rely on your friends and your community, right? So you do, you know, bake sales or you do, you do things like that. You ask for contributions and you start, you know, building up, basically building a donor base, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we very early on institutionalized as a 501c3, meaning a, a not-for-profit. And so that allows you to begin to ask for grants from the government, uh, from specific institutions, from foundations. And so what we did early on is we hired a part-time um, grant writer. And so what that would mean is that we would just hire them to write one grant or two grants or three grants or to advise us like that. Um, and, you know, that's the big, the, most, the most difficult thing to learn. The more the more plays you create, the more people come see, it, the more people become donors, the more people become supporters of the company. So it becomes, you know, and it takes a while. For us, I think the first five years were the most difficult one. On the fifth year of the life of Tectonic, I wrote Gross Indecency, the Three Trials of Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. And that play became a hit. It did very, very, very well. It ran in New York for two years and it became one of the most performed plays in America. Mm. And all of a sudden we went from being this kind of darling of the off-off the Broadway scene to being, you know a nationally recognized theater company. And so that made things easier. Mm. But I think that what I would say to a young starting theater company is visibility equals donors you know, the more work you do, the more you're out there, the more people come to see the shows, the more you, you continue to maintain your, your lists of who's coming to see the work and who's the more easy uh, fundraising becomes.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for that. I, I, I think money scares people. And I think people don't really know the first place to start when it comes to money. But kind of akin to what we're saying earlier it's as long as you know why you're doing what you're doing and just getting it out there cleaning churches for free space doing storefront theater doing site-specific theater um and getting people to come you know i was just watching the spring awakening documentary right and you know that was a show that no one believed in and then here comes atlantic theater company that was like you know what I want to give it a chance. It's, it, all it takes is one person. All it takes is one, one person, one perspective, one point of view that matches your point of view. And you're on a journey to Broadway, which is so exciting and so wonderful. And the magic about our industry, I think.
0: I think that, the, that you have to trust that the work will speak for itself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that the work is the thing that brings all of your needed partners on board.
1: Yes, that's amazing. Um, So I want to know from a director's point of view. I think um, so many multi-hyphenates are are scared of sharing that they're multi-hyphenates because I think many of my clients in my photo studio have made up narratives saying, oh, this casting director thinks I'm not an actor anymore because I've started producing or I've started writing my own stuff or this, you know, person doesn't think that I'm auditioning anymore just because I've been f- focusing on the play that I want to produce. I mean, in my own instance, you know, I when I started photography, I was still auditioning, but I had someone come up to me at an event and look me up and down and go, you're doing this now. And so I understand it's hard for people to, uh, sort of wrap their brain around an artist being able to have multiple proficiencies, but how for you, a director, how does a multi-hyphenate help you in the room? Um, I'm asking more of like, from the perspective of like an actor and uh, an actor that you, uh, someone that you hired to be an actor, but I'm also, I would love to hear other um, points of views. and.
0: Well, look, I'll
1: tell you personally, I started as an actor Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and then, I decided that I wanted to create the whole stage event, that that working only on my character wasn't satisfying to me personally. So I wanted to create the whole stage event and I started directing. And then I realized that if I was really serious about creating the stage event, I had to deal with the issue of text. Um, And so that's why I decided to become a playwright. But um, I think when I'm in the rehearsal room, the hyphen it helps because, you know, when I'm working with a playwright like Rajiv Joseph or Doug Wright, right, I've written plays, I know, uh, you know, what what the task is and how to hopefully inspire and motivate and help uh, dramaturg, you know, a play that's being written. So so I think that that, those are some of the, the advantages of it. When I write and direct my own plays, I always say that there's always an eternal fight between the director and the playwright as to who's right. (laughs) Um, And in terms, the question you ask about actors is very difficult to answer because I'm not an actor, I haven't had that experience, but I can imagine people, people, even in our industry, which is a very creative industry, people want to peg you down to something, right? They want to, to be able to label you something and then, you know, and so it doesn't surprise me that somebody who's an actor who has started producing will get that response because people cannot uh, deal with uh, either ambiguity or intersectionality, Mm -hmm. right? Oh yes, you're Latino, but you're also gay and you're also Jewish. and You know, those, those, uh, those places, those intersectionalities are things that people always have a hard time dealing with. But I think that you know and it happens in a myriad of ways, right? You direct uh, something like the Laramie Project. Oh, Moises Kopman is the director of political drama, so I direct uh Torch Song Trilogy. Oh, Moises Kopman can do comedy. You know, it's like it's like people need these boxes in which to place you, and it's uh, and but I think that it happens in every aspect of our field, right? Like I just directed my first musical on Broadway. Um, and people are like Moses Kaufman, directing a musical, like you know, it's like if you're a director and you're a good director, hopefully you can do many <laughs>
1: things, right? Yeah, I, that's so beautifully said, and and I, you basically answered the question that I asked. I wanted to know like how the multi hyphenate helps the director. You being the director, how does the, how do they come into a room and sort of help solve problems and. Because I want to make sure that artists get out of their heads and being like, oh, I can't be more than one thing. But I think you just spoke to that in saying like, it helps with communication. It helps you broaden the things that you're able to do. It helps you you in so many different ways that we all should be multi-hyphenates if we allow ourselves to be. There are people that don't want to be multi-hyphenates and that is fine. It's art you're allowed to take whatever route that you are, but it opens us up to different creations, legendary creations like the Laramie project, which I did in high school. And it's one of my favorite plays and, uh, and it's so touching and it's so educational. And, you know, I have to thank the multi-hyphenate approach for a creation such as the Laramie project, because that's that was your role in it. You were a multi-hyphenate in that, in that experience. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So speaking of, that was a good segue because you mentioned a new musical in Broadway. Um, you directed Paradise Square on Broadway. So I mean, I loved it and I what I was telling you before was I got to see a sneak peek because I was asked to photograph rehearsals. um, And I was able to, which was such an honor. And it was so amazing to do so. I think it was the day of your first full run through. It was great having you there. I loved it. And I loved the stage pictures that were created. I loved the ways in which you were telling the story and then I got to see it in its full in its in its full element with that you know cuz in the rehearsal room there were scenes happening upstage but they were really on a platform um so I got to see even more magic happening the intimacy that was created with those characters in those special move those special moments and i just want to know like what has your process been like like um, has there been uh, use of the multi-hyphenate in your process as a director for a big smash Broadway musical? Um, I just want to hear from you on that because I really loved the show.
0: Well, again, I, I think, you know, <clears throat> for me, I, I try to, to think of myself as a theater maker and a storyteller, right? So uh, both as a director and as a, as a playwright, I am very, very interested in how we tell stories. I'm very, very interested in, in, in dramatic structure. I'm very interested in how do you construct narratives that allow you to deal with, with uh, difficult ideas in very human ways, mm-hmm. right? So in my work personally, I'm always interested in, in that space that occurs between the personal and the political. I'm very interested in looking at historical moments through the eyes of uh, the people who were on the margins of society, Mm -hmm. um, of the eyes of the other, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What happens if you look at the story of Matthew Shepard through the eyes of the people of that town, right? What happens if you look at the story of Victorian England through the eyes of Oscar Wilde? What happens if you look at the life of uh, you know, Germany during the Second World War through the eyes of a trans uh, character, right? Um, and so that's something that has always fascinated me. And so for me, Paradise Square was the opportunity to create a play about the civil war in America or about the period of the civil war in America, a scene through the eyes of the greatest outcast of that culture, right? People who lived in a slum people were of a very low economic means, people who were, you know, Irish immigrants or free people or co- of color. What happens when you look at America through those eyes and what can you learn? So to me, those are the kind of things that, that kind of get me up in the morning and get me excited to be in a rehearsal room. You know, the, the, the hyphenate um, ability, for me, being a playwright, I was really excited to be working with, you know, Three, you know, like a lyricist, a composer, and a book writer. Because if you think about it, each one of those, um, each one of those, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Each one of those practices—they're—we're all, all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to tell a coherent story. But there's a way in which music speaks. Music tells a story. There's a way in which lyrics speak. Lyrics tell the story. There's a way in which texts and, and scenes speak and how to, so this idea of trying to, using my ground intelligence to try and put together a coherent narrative that that, that carries through was
1: something very exciting to me. It's, that's so exciting. And you could feel that excitement because I thought it was so innovative in so many different ways. And the story I thought was so important because, and I feel that way about Jews, there are so many more stories to tell than um, than the Holocaust or, you know, or uh, the pogroms in Russia. There's so many other stories. And I feel like Paradise Square taps into that. Like, Wakina's role is so learning about her and, uh, and what she stands for was so incredible. And also her, she's incredibly talented and, and, um, she's she's just amazing and I just loved the stories that were told on that stage at the Barrymore I just think you know it's a it's a very successful musical
0: thank you thank you thank you
1: since it was your first musical on Broadway uh what um and you were having people saying Moises Kaufman can direct a musical on Broadway what were the things that surprised you about yourself directing a musical on Broadway because It's never too late, no matter how many Tonys we've won or have been nominated for, or how far our career spans, it's never too late to surprise ourselves and learn something about ourselves. So is there anything that you learned about yourself in this process?
0: I think the most exciting thing about doing Paradise Square was really to be fully present to the power of music to convey narrative. Hmm. I think that was the most exciting part um the text does you know carries part of the way the lyrics carry part of the way but just you know Jason Holland is such a brilliant brilliant composer and you can see how he is uh weaving narratives into the melodies and into the the, the, the musical vocabulary of the show so that was I think one of the most exciting things
1: and from an audience perspective you know you say the book lyrics um is, is so important and in, in te- those proficiencies are so, so important in telling the story. But I think the choreography was also another added layer that I've seen propel the plot. Very much so. In a way that I have not seen done as successfully or in a very long time. Um, and I think that is such an incredible thing about Paradise Square is that they, you all used the choreography to further the plot of the story
0: very much so. We were, I was very, very interested in that. And it was very important for me that every time that people started moving, that it had something to do with moving forward, not only the the, the narrative uh, through line, but the emotional through line of the show. And I think that in that sense, we were really blessed. You know, we had some great people working with us. We had Chloe Davis, who's a, a brilliant, brilliant choreographer. We had Bilty Jones, of course. Uh, we had um, Alex Sanchez, we had uh, Jalan Lambert. So we had a, 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 the choreographic team for the show was astonishing.
1: I think it's an astonishing team and astonishing cast. And I hope you have a very long- Amen. Life at the Barrymore <laughs> Theater. We're gonna do a ticket giveaway. Oh, great. The rule is simple for those of you that have listened uh, to this episode so far. What I need you to do is write a review on Apple Podcasts for Dear multi it And you are going to mention that you love this episode as well as Dear multi it And then I'm going to take all those names and I'm going to do a little drawing in the next week or so. And then I'm going to announce on air and social media who won the ticket giveaway for paradise square and i need to see it again i saw it um i actually saw it 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 was just about to open in previews and it was the first night that Ken- kennedy went on for chelena no. oh
0: wow i remember that yeah, yeah yes
1: yeah, yeah. was that her did i get the correct name you did you got it perfect yes it was her first performance and she was
0: wonderful, wasn't she?
1: She was so wonderful, and um, it was very cool. It was very cool to be. I think that's been an exciting thing about. I don't know if this is selfish or not, but that has been an exciting thing about theater in the co in COVID. Is there are so many people that are getting a chance to go on for for huge roles. It's like who's our next Shirley MacLaine? You know what I mean? Like is there going to be
0: Well, we just heard that, right? We heard that there's somebody in Funny Girl that is uh you know, doing an incredible job being an understudy, right? What's her name? Do you know? Julie Benko. Julie Benko. Everyone's talking about Julie Benko.
1: Yes, and um and I I I'm excited to see both. I think I think actually having a really strong understudy and standby is is really great marketing because it makes you want to see the show twice it makes you especially if you see that understudy first you go wow you were amazing and i'm so happy that i was on the ride with you i want to see it again also with you know the person that you were understudying. i think having a strong just a strong support system in that way is is built in publicity it's true i think that's really true yeah 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 I think that's it's it and that's a testament to a wonderful creative team and and that was that was another thing was walking into that rehearsal room and feeling the warmth like you all wanted to be there and you all were having a wonderful time and that is a testament to you being a leader of that room and um I just loved experiencing that. Yeah, so, thank you. Of thank course, you so much Michael. Of course. So thank you so much Moises, for coming under multi hyphen it. Um is where what what what's the best way to follow you are you on social media like what is i'm on instagram under my name i'm
0: on facebook so yeah you can just follow me i'm gonna
1: i'm gonna add you right now i'm not on twitter but i am i am very present on instagram and i can't wait for our paths to cross again and do you have any anything you want to say to younger artists right now that you haven't said already that are starting their careers that you think they wa- they need to hear? Dream big and go forward bluntly. I love that so much. Thank you, Moises. Okay. Bye, bye.